And so there is a series of bad decisions. These are some of the dangers of when we don't pray, when we don't ask Father for his guidance, for his leading, when we allow other people to persuade us or to entice us or to draw us. People shouldn't be moving because of jobs. People should be moving because they're led by the Spirit. People shouldn't be led by fleeces. People shouldn't be led because they see what appears to be open doors. There's some doors that are open that Father is not directing us to go through because it's a trap. Men trap people. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the book of Genesis. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. Jehovah remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow of the cities in that region. Lot was hesitant to leave, so the angels took Lot, his wife, and two daughters by the hand and led them out. Lot was instructed to go into the mountains, but he negotiated with the angels to stay in Zoar. However, fear caused Lot to move to the mountain instead of dwelling there. Lot's wife was destroyed when she looked back in disobedience to the instructions given by the angels. Lot's daughters had the desire to preserve Lot's seed. Because Jehovah gave the command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, preserving seed is and always has been a command or concern of the people of Jehovah. Today's study title is Drunkenness and Incest. So, let's study. Last week, in the message, Righteousness, Wickedness, and Judgment, Jehovah rained down fire and brimstone from heaven. And we took a moment and we paused to identify where the fire and the brimstone came from. The Bible says it rained down from heaven. And we know, as we discussed briefly last week, concerning the lake of fire, which we know that there will be sulfur and brimstone or fire and And the fact that this is coming down from heaven, as we've asked folks to try to identify or the question as to where is hell? (laughs) Where is this lake of fire that the Bible talks about? Whether or not it's inside the kingdom of Elohim or outside the kingdom of Elohim. Now, logic tell us that all that is made is made of the Almighty. The earth is his, the fullness thereof. And so logic would say to us, wherever hell is or the lake of fire is, that it is somewhere within the confines of his kingdom. Isn't that safe to assume? Because nothing exists outside of what he has made. Nothing exists outside of his rule and his reign. And so logic would say to us that hell or the lake of fire is inside the kingdom somewhere. 
And I would even go as far as to say, according to what Messiah said in Matthew, that those who do not do the commandments and teach others not to do the commandments will be called least in the kingdom. Now, there was a time when I, you know, denounced the commands and felt we were under grace and not under law. I would make the statement that even if I'm not teaching the commandments or doing the commandments, at least I'm in the kingdom. But then when I began to try to identify where hell or the lake of fire may be in the kingdom, then, then it's possible that that would be in the least side or the least part of the kingdom where the least <laughs> would be in the kingdom. And I said, you know what? I don't want to take that chance. And I encourage others not to either. But even beyond that, Messiah said that those who do and teach these commands shall be called great in the kingdom. Now, whoever do the commands and teach the commands will be called great in the kingdom. You know, that's enough for me to say, hey, bring on the commandments. <laughs> that's all I need is what he said. We ended the passage last week with the following passage, which we will, be, we will pick up from in today's teaching, knowing that Jehovah remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow and then we notice that Lot was hesitant to leave. Therefore, the angels took Lot, his wife, and two daughters by the hand and led them out. And so before we get into that, I want to go back into last week's teaching, verse 16. It says, while he lingered, they had instructed Lot to leave, to take his family, to go. But he lingered. And so the men laid hand upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, and Jehovah being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. So they literally had to take Lot, his wife, and his two daughters out of the city. And so we're going to pick up in verse number 29 because it states, and this is the verse we closed on last week, and it came to pass when Elohim destroyed the cities of the plain that Elohim remembered Abraham. Now, he remembered Abraham in the midst of rescuing Lot. And therefore, and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. Abraham had negotiated with Jehovah who said he would not sweep away the righteous with the wicked, although Abraham stopped at I'm sorry, that should be 10. He started with 50. He stopped at 10. And ultimately, it was Lot and his family, which the Bible refers to later in the New Testament as righteous. And so out of all of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, we find that Lot was the only one rescued. And when I say Lot, Lot, represented his family. Now, we know last week, Lot went out to, to talk to his sons-in-law, but they didn't listen to Lot. They thought Lot mocked. And I was very much just meditating on the fact that 
When it came down to the end of Lot and the end of Noah, as we're going to see, there is some similarity that in the land, Noah was the only righteous. In the cities, Lot was the only righteous. And because of Lot, his wife and his two daughters were saved or delivered or spared. However, Lot's wife, as we read, looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. Lot, I believe, was spared because of his connection to and relationship with Abraham. The Bible says, and Jehovah remembered Abraham. And then I was thinking, because of relationship, how after all Abraham had gone through to deliver Lot from those kings and his family and bring them back, imagine how Abraham would have felt if Lot had gotten swept away with the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah. So because of Abraham, Jehovah carried Lot out. It's important who we are connected to. Paul wrote, evil communications corrupt good character. Because of their dwelling in Sodom, Lot's wife had some kind of connection, and even Lot had some kind of connection because The Bible tells us the angels had to take them out. Lot was instructed to go into the mountains. But then Lot negotiated with the angels to stay in Zor. Lot's argument, I cannot escape to the mountain lest some evil take me and I die. Now, this was an argument, I say, of distrust. The angels told them to go to the mountain. It seems as if Lot should have followed the instruction and went to the mountain like the angels said. But no, Lot was afraid that where the angel was instructing him to go, he would end up losing his life even though the angels had come to deliver them to spare his life. You see the rationale? This is irrational thinking. So Lot's argument was an argument of distrust. Nevertheless, the angels permitted Lot's request. There are times when Father will give you what you ask for. But the times we find in Scripture where the people made demands and Father was against their demands and yet he gave them what they asked for, it didn't turn out very good. In verse 17, notice, and it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, escape for your life. Look not behind you, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And what did Lot say? Oh, not so, (laughs) my Lord. So jump into verse 19. Behold, now thy servant has found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast shown unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. 
Although it was Lot's choice to go to Zor instead of to the mountains, as the angels had previously instructed, Lot, now while in Zor, moves to the mountain out of fear of dwelling in Zor. Verse 30, and Lot went out of Zor. Now he first negotiated to go to Zor instead of the mountain. So he's permitted to go to Zor. Now he's in Zor, and Lot went out of Zor and dwelt in the mountain and his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zor, and he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. So there's something going on with Lot's thinking, and maybe when Lot got to Zoar, he saw the very things that he saw in Sodom and thought maybe this is probably not a good idea. <laughs> maybe I should have listened to the angels. Lot's daughter plot against Lot. Lot's daughter's desire to preserve Lot's seed or seed from Lot. Preserving seed is and has always been a concern of the people of Yah since the command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Abraham's concern was for a seed, and he put much emphasis on it when conversing with Yehovah. And let me just go back here and capitalize. I tell you, you know, just wanted to capitalize that before some English major tell me, uh, hey, I know that bothered some people. With Did that bother you when you saw it or you didn't see it? Well, anyway, let's move on. Abraham's concern was for a seed, and he put much emphasis on it when conversing with Jehovah. The people's concerns in Abraham's day was for seed. Even now Lot's daughters is concerned. But Abraham, the Bible says, said, Lord Elohim, what will thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eleazar in Damascus. This is conversation he has in Genesis 15. In verse 3, And Abram said, Behold to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. This is a concern for people since the beginning, even until now. Anyone who have worked and has something to leave behind, want to leave it behind to some family member. It's something when people have to search for some distant heir or distant relative because there is no immediate relative or person known to be able to inherit the estate of the deceased. Lot's daughter now see the potential of being the last generation and put forth a plan to preserve Lot's seed. And I call it a plot on Lot. In verse 31, it says, And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Now, I was first struck by this statement because Lot's daughters have seen the destruction. They've seen what happened to their mother. They go to Zoar. They see, I suspect, the things in Zoar similar to what they saw in Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And now they flee to the mountain because they were afraid. And therefore, they've come to the conclusion that it is possible that there are no other people on earth. Based on the plot, they concluded that there were no men left in the earth. Notice what they said. Our father is old and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us. And so my thinking is that from their perspective, Lot was the only means by which seed could be preserved. Now, the question is, is why would they want to preserve a seed? That's the question. Where is this idea coming from? And I would say, what would cause them to want to plot against their dad to have sexual relationship with them to get them pregnant? Now, it seems as if, now we know that there are other people because Abraham and his people and But what they know or don't know, we don't know. But here's something else I see. I see the influence of being surrounded by wickedness all these years. Again, evil communications corrupt good character. When you're surrounded by the kinds of things that the people who you are surrounded by seem normal, then wickedness would seem normal. And the sadness of the times that we live in, wickedness is increasing, and there's so much wickedness being performed by what is perceived to be normal people. To think that a man would want to marry another man, or a woman would want to to marry another woman, and to Push this ideology. Now, it's bad enough that we have fornication and adultery in the midst of us. It's a whole nother level of abomination when you have individuals coming together that cannot produce seed or cannot produce offsprings. So what do they have to do now? They have to adopt. Some would say, well, that's a good thing because there needs to be people adopting these children. And so at some point, the wickedness of man is becoming more and more normalized to where at some point it's going to almost be the status quo. We're seeing more and more of it. And it's not just here in the United States of America, it's worldwide. It is rare today to find individuals who have extended family that is not affected by this. It is being taught in public schools from kindergarten all the way. People seem like not only do they want to live a wicked, abominable lifestyle, but they want the world to know. They make coming out parties known. They want the news to know. They want it broadcast. And this is where it's headed. I believe what Yeshua was saying when he said, when he returns, will he even find faith? He said that lawlessness abounds. 
the love of many will grow cold. And when the love of many grow cold, what is going to happen to those whose love has grown cold? They become like the world around them. No love. However, the world around them seems to have a sense of love, but that love is not based on biblical love. And the love of those who claim to be righteous will not be based on biblical love either. It's cold. It's cold-hearted. Uncaring. Let us not confuse, compromise, giving in to wickedness as caring. Because this is where this argument is going to try to push. Well, you have no love. You don't care. The fact is that when you have love, like the love of the Almighty, the, the love of the Almighty saw the wickedness in the earth and he developed a plan, but the world, for the most part, is rejecting the plan of salvation, deliverance, and redemption that has been made available by Jehovah by sending Yeshua, who paid the price for the sins of men. What's amazing to me is when you look at the numbers, and the numbers now is about 2.5 billion people of the world's population are said to have some form of faith association with this entity called Christ, whether it be Catholicism, Protestantism, Messianic Hebrewism, 2.5. But look at the population of the world. As long as the gospel has been preached, less than half of the world's population have accepted it in any form or fashion. What does that say? That says that we have a massive harvest out there. It's massive. And so Lot's daughter, they come to this odd conclusion that somehow they've got to repopulate the earth by getting their daddy drunk. And so they say, come, let us make our father drink wine and we will lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father. So Lot's daughter make him drunk and have sex with him. First, the older daughter, verse 33. And they made their father drink wine that night and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. And he perceived not when she lay down nor when she arose. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also, and go thou in and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. Now, the thing that strikes me in these passages is where did they get the wine from? That's one thing. Did they carry the wine? Yeah, it was potent because Lot is out of it, which is going to lead us to another set of questions and conclusions. But somehow, over time, they got wine. And either the wines were already in the cave, or they grew the grapes and made it, or they carried it with them from Zoar. We don't know these things, but here's what we do know. They had wine, 
And it was the kind of wine that make people drunk to the point to where they don't remember. <laughs> Lot's younger daughter lay with him to get pregnant, verse 35, and they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him, and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. Now, the Bible just casually tells us these things happen. It doesn't give us a timeline. And so somewhere along the line, Lot had to have realized that his daughters are pregnant and there's no men, the Moabites, verse 37. And the firstborn bare a son and called his name Moab. The same is the father of the Moabites unto this day. And unto this day is when Moses wrote this. The Amorites and the younger, she also bare a son and called his name Ben-Ami. The same is the father of the children of Ammon unto this day. And so in some places they're called Ammonites. Although Lot may not have been aware of what he had done, he bore the responsibility for his drunkenness and incest that eventually resulted in his two daughters becoming pregnant by him. Lot could have said he had had enough wine, but he continued to drink. Not only did he continue to drink, he drank past intoxication to blackout drunk. Now, some could say, well, you know, Lot had a heavy heart. Some could say, hey, you know, the world as he knew it had come to an end. You know, that he was depressed, he was oppressed, or whatever the case may be. But the fact of the matter is, is that Lot drank past intoxication to the point to where he became totally unaware of what happened. And there's a message in there for us because, you know, Father does not like drunkenness. He said, you know, you can drink, but don't get drunk. Drunkenness is not something that he smiles upon. In fact, he frowns upon it. Lot, because of his actions, becomes the father and ancestor of both the Moabites and the Ammonites, two nations that became bitter enemies of Abraham's descendants. This is the outcome. What Lot did, but Lot made a series of decisions. There was a series of decisions that Lot made from way back until that moment when these things happened. Now, Back to Lot in a moment. Jehovah gave Moab and Ammon possessions. When the children of Israel was leaving Egypt and going into the land, Father gave them some specific instructions, one of them in Deuteronomy 2.9. And Jehovah said unto me, Distress not the Moabites, neither contend with them in battle. For I will not give thee of their land for a possession because I have given our unto the children of Lot for possession. And then in verse 19, he says, And when thou comest nigh against the children of Ammon, distress them not, nor meddle with them, for I will not give thee of the land of the children of Ammon any possession, 
because I have given it unto the children of Lot for a possession. And what I wanted to point out here is that Israel wasn't the only people who were given land. Jehovah assigned land to other people other than Israel. And here we have two classic examples that he'd given Lot's descendants land and that he was not going to allow Israel to displace them from the land. And he had given, well, he had given land to the Ammonites and to the Moabites, which were the children of Lot. One could say that Lot was saved, he was spared, he was delivered. But in the midst of his salvation, being spared and being delivered from the fire and the brimstone, he lost everything. Lot went from riches to homelessness. Lot's decision-making after he left Abraham, caused him a lot of problems. And these are some of the dangers of walking by sight versus walking by faith. See, Abram took a step of faith. He says, Lot, whatever land you choose, I'll go the other way, knowing that whatever. What else I find to be strange about Lot is faith is not necessarily associated with Lot. Faith is associated with Abraham. Lot is not mentioned in in Hebrews 11. But yet we're going to see Peter says Lot was righteous. Lot's decisions seem to be made more out of walking by sight than walking by faith. And this is the dangers, brothers and sisters, for us today. That when it comes down to walking by faith, it really depends on on trusting, not trusting in what we see, because what we see can sometimes be fool's gold. Lot saw the beauty, the water, the greenery, and therefore he chose the area and pitched his tent toward Sodom. So Lot's decision in choosing where he went was based on sight. His decision to pitch his tent toward Sodom led him to moving into Sodom. Even though he saw that the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked men. And then to take part in the politics of Sodom, because remember, when the angels came to Sodom, Lot was sitting at the city gate. He was sitting at the gate, which is known for where the elders of a city or the rulers of a city, or the judges of a city, because court and cases were held. Lot was even considered by the Sodomites. This man has come, and now he's going to be a judge among us. We read that last week. And so there is a series of bad decisions. These are some of the dangers of when we don't pray, when we don't ask Father for his guidance, for his leading when we allow other people to persuade us or to entice us or to draw us, people shouldn't be moving because of jobs. People should be moving because they're led by the Spirit. People 
shouldn't be led by fleeces. People shouldn't be led because they see what appears to be open doors. There's some doors that are open that Father is not directing us to go through because it's a trap. Men trap people. The enemy that tried to entice Messiah, imagine this, brothers and sisters, being in the situation to where now you're being promised great wealth, visualizing, seeing it, being shown. If you do this, this is what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you all these cities. I'm going to give you these things. We live in a world of get-rich-quick schemes. We live in a world of marketing and multi-level type marketing. I tell you, I get phone calls every day. It's like I don't even answer these calls anymore. I don't put my name on the do not call list so many times. It's like I think the do not call list is they're taking your numbers and selling them to the people who are calling you. That's my suspicion. I can't prove it, but it just seems. And then they've got these abilities to call you and it goes straight to voicemail. You ever hear, hey, hey, this is me. I tried to call you back. You know, that thing we talked about, I just, since I couldn't get a hold of you, sorry I missed you. I just, I just want to, you know, leave you some information. It's like, man, I never talked to you. It's like, fool me once. <laughs> you get it? And so, people who are in the mindset of trying to get something for nothing will become easy prey for the enemy. Show me, see that, I'll give you all of this, I'll do all of these things, promises, promises, promises. And oftentimes in the midst of that, you'll have people who, they sense in their spirit this is not right, but go after it anyway, because who knows, maybe this is how the Almighty is going to bless me. Lot went from having great wealth and plenty of possessions, herdsmen, a wife, seemingly a position on the city council, to poverty and homelessness, living in a cave with two plotting daughters. This is where some people end up with their hard-headed children. They don't pray. They listen to their children. They listen to their spouse. Their spouse and their children's voice overrides the voice of Jehovah. They feel the pressure of trying to please a spouse or trying to please a child or try to please a parent or trying to please an in-law. And ultimately, in the process of trying to please these people, they end up being displeasing to the Almighty. And as a result, all the things that the Almighty has given them come to note. See, the Bible tells us that there are, my sheep know my voice. I think about people who try to save. You know, it's like Yeshua says, whoever saved their lives will lose it. There are people who try to save their relationships. And they compromise, they give in, they go against the will of the Almighty. 
in the process. I see young people who are afraid that they're going to lose this boyfriend so they sleep with him to try to keep him. Or this young fellow who is trying to keep himself, you know, until he gets married, give in because some girl has warmed down. I see individuals resisting, but yet put themselves in the positions of being tempted. Why would you put yourself in a position where you know you're going to be tempted? Why would I be going to a party if I got a problem with drinking? If you're in recovery, you shouldn't be in an environment where you know your recovery would be jeopardized. If you're a man who's trying to keep yourself holy, you shouldn't be alone with no woman. Especially no woman whose lips as sweet as honey, as they would say, whatever that is, got honey dripping down from their lips, enticing, sweet nothings, words of enticement, sexual flirt, all this nonsense. It ain't nonsense when you're in it because you get caught up, get weak at the knees, and next thing you know, it's talking about, I've fallen. I've fallen. No, you didn't fall. You walked right into that. (laughs) One could say that Lot was saved, spared, delivered. But again, he lost all his possessions. In the end, Lot was made drunk and committed incest with his daughters unaware. This is the sad thing about it. Lot started out with the man of faith. Lot started out, and it seems like his connection with Abraham, he was prosperous. He prospered. He traveled. He left Ur of the Chaldees with Abram, went up to Haran, left Haran with Abram, came down to Israel. He followed Abram seemingly, and then they got to a point where they had so much possessions, they had to split up. So he went from having so much possessions to being in a cave with two plotting daughters, being enticed with alcohol, drunkenness, and committing incest, producing offsprings that is going to now be a thorn in the side of Israel, the descendants of Abram, Abraham, and the descendants of Lot. Now, as I was preparing this, teaching, my concern became how people have made bad decisions and are finding themselves in positions to where now they seem to be reaping the harvest of those bad decisions, which are not pleasant. And yet, in the midst of all of this, Father knows how to work all of those things to our good. Now, We don't hear from Lot anymore. We hear about Lot after this chapter, but we don't hear any more from Lot. We don't know necessarily the outcome of what happened to Lot, how Lot died. We don't know how old his daughters were, how old he was. We know he was old, but the Bible is not necessarily following Lot. And I know there are writings out there concerning Lot and what happened to Lot. Some of the stuff I read is like way over But nevertheless, it's out there and people, you know, get excited about it. I try to stay with what is written. But in all of this, Lot was remembered generations later, according to 2 Peter 2, says, 
Lot was a just man, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. And then Peter goes on and says in verse number, I didn't include it here, but I think it's important at this point to read it because Lot is used as an example of how Father knows how to deliver his people. In verse number nine, it says, Jehovah knows how to deliver the pious out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. And so what he was saying here, what Peter was saying is that, yeah, Lot made a series of bad decisions. He ended up in a place where he was surrounded by wickedness. But even in the midst of that, Father delivered him. And just as he delivered him and called him not only just, but righteous, which is similar, he uses it as an example of how he can deliver us. And so I'm going to leave you with this. Even if you've made a series of bad decisions that have left you in a place to where it seems as if you're being punished or reaping a negative harvest for the things and decisions that you made, those things should be a reminder of the outcome of making bad decisions. Question is, is what do you do about it? Because if you continue to make decisions based on the same standard, you have made decisions that have led you here, then those decisions that you continue to make like that is going to only lead you to more of the same. This is one of the importance because when I look at the example, and Lot is certainly an example, Lot lived in the midst of wickedness, and yet he had sons-in-law from that wickedness, indicating that two at least daughters Lot had given permission to marry these individuals who didn't even respect Lot. They thought Lot was a joke. When he came to tell them, hey, calamity is coming. We need to get out of here. They thought he was joking. Why would you give your son or your daughter or approve of your son or daughter to be betrothed or married to someone who don't take you serious. And yet this is the situation Lot was in. We don't hear much about Mrs. Lot, but we know there was a Mrs. Lot and you can see where Mrs. Lot's heart was. Her heart wasn't even with her husband. Maybe it was, but she, for whatever reason, didn't believe the angels who told her, don't look back. Don't look back. Now, he didn't tell her you're going to turn into a pillar of salt, but it's like, hey, this is coming down and you don't want to have nothing connected to it. Just go, get out. But as we pointed out, they were reluctant to leave. Brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter where you have been in your past the time now is to make decisions. This is one of the beautiful things for me 
concerning the commandments. There's a lot of things that I had to try to figure out when I was in church because it didn't make sense on how to live righteous in church without any instructions on righteousness. So, you know, you don't smoke, you don't drink, you don't chew, you don't go out with girls that do. You be home at a certain time. Don't get caught up in the movie because the rapture might come. Don't go to movies. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. And it's like, okay, who's making these decisions? Oh, you haven't been in Pentecostalism. Yeah. No, you don't go to movies. Mm-mm. What if God comes while you up in there in that ungodly movie house? You'll be left behind for sure. But anyway, <laughs> there's no real clear-cut instructions. And every denomination has a different set of rules or instructions on what holiness and living holy is. Father gives clear instructions in his word. If you don't know how to be led by the Spirit, at least walk in the truth that is revealed in his word. We've got a book full of instructions, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, all from the very mouth of the Most High that teaches us how to eat. It teaches us about work. It teaches us about how to deal with our neighbors. It teaches us about being good citizens. It teaches us about marriage and who to marry and and interacting with people outside of your beliefs. There's so much that is given to us that if we simply walk in the knowledge of what Father says until we learn how to walk by the Spirit, His Word is enough to preserve us until we begin to walk in the power as we receive the anointing of his spirit. This is the beauty of having his instruction. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free ebooks on our ministry website at arthurbaileyministries.com. Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries, on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey, on Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Apostle Arthur Bailey One. If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the About link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, Shalom Saints.